Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, welcome on to another edition of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast. And lots to discuss this week. You know who we are. No further introductions are required. There's no no reason for any banter. It's all uh, boring basketball talk here. So let's get right into that. And obviously, the two biggest stories this week are the All-Star Reserves and Minnesota moving on from their coach and hiring an assistant from another team. Uh, which of those two do you want to start talking about here, John? Let's talk about the All-Star Reserves first. Uh, cause I think, first of all, I think there's one conference where we talked about our reserve picks last, last week. I, at that point I had DeRozan ahead of Zion Williamson for one of the last spots. And I kind of flipped by the time I wrote about it a couple days later, cause Zion kept going on his destroying tour. Um, so I think they basically got the West right. Uh, you could argue for Mike Conley instead of Donovan Mitchell for that last spot. There are a couple other players in the West who have been pretty good that you could argue for, but I, I think they basically got the right 12 guys, and then hopefully I'm hoping they take Mike Conley uh, for Anthony Davis's injury replacement. It could end up being Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Devin Booker. We'll see. Yeah, it would be ironic if Booker were selected again as an injury replacement by the commissioner. I thought Booker actually should easily have been on the main team last year. And certainly, to me, Booker had as good an argument as Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley. I thought that one was splitting hair, as I, I as I rarely do, people will recall last week, I defaulted to sentimentality in saying Conley. Had, and I hope that Adam Silver actually will do the same uh, because it's, it's a commissioner. I, I think we, we could see that. And the Suns did. The Suns got a player already. I mean, that that's still this ridiculous yeah. thinking of a team with a certain record hey the, the knicks are two games under 500 they have to have someone like yeah uh you, you, um, because they're they're a surprise amazingly um, the guy who i thought would get in because of that did not get in uh who is demontis sabonis but we'll talk about the east in a minute yeah yeah we will so no i i thought it was pretty good i and you know shea has been awesome obviously just playing in oklahoma city with that team that they have it was just never gonna happen but certainly statistically i, I think all those deer and fox as well i think uh, you'd be kind of splitting hairs between the statistical arguments uh, of a lot of these players and so i i think it ended up fine like i got no problems at all uh with that, how it went which is one of the first First times I can remember that being the case. Uh, were you excited when uh, Tom Thibodeau and Steve Clifford got voted into the All Star Game in the East? <laughs> what what pray tell could you mean by that? 
well the uh the coaches vote for this stuff uh obviously and uh i uh joking aside i think more realistically what probably happened was that there was a miami vote that got split between exactly and yeah that's exactly i'm sure that's what happened most of these coaches put one miami player on because they felt like the heat couldn't have two and they split it between butler and bam so neither of them ended up getting enough votes to get over the over the threshold yeah and, and a lot of people are like oh julius randall he's uh averaging these uh unprecedented numbers and we should probably i and in particular i will apologize to listeners that we didn't get into zach levine's case as much as we should have last week but let's start with randall and why i had him significantly behind bam and butler uh why did you i i feel like you feel similarly yeah i do i thought first of all are you what you're rewarding really is the fact that the knicks opponents bonked a bunch of open three-pointers for the first 30 games right like that's the biggest thing that's made him a quote-unquote surprise right well, and moreover, even if you're going to say that their defense is real, are you putting all the credit for that on Julius Randle? I mean, they are not a fantastic offense by any mean mm-hmm. this year. I mean, they, Randall is helping them survive, to be sure. Uh, but I mean, I think anyone who watched their game last night, for example, against Golden State, to say that like he was this uh, elite offensive force who was driving uh, their offense, they weren't even going to him down the stretch uh, of the game. You know, it was a lot of Derrick Rose pick and roll and and Alfred Payton and oh, Randall has had a very good season and his stats it would be unprecedented for someone with his stats his, at least his raw counting stats to be left off the all-star team Dan Feldman had a great article that like there are 77 <laughs> players that, it, that <laughs> did was you see wonderful. that one? it was wonderful it was perfect because because the offense the offenses of all you know we're basically at a record moment in offense for the NBA so there are so many players you can make that point about that oh if you have you know nobody with this uh, this combination of you know points and shooting percentage or whatever has ever been left off the all-star team well yeah because it's it's the whole league right now i mean a rising rising tide lifts all boats yeah Uh, and so particularly with this being a weird season particularly with this being uh a season of inflated offense where you've just the raw stats the points rebounds and assists like kind of went through this with Sabonis last year now it's Randall Mm -hmm. this year like don't come at me with points per game rebounds per game and assists per game anymore like we've moved beyond that to tell everybody's stats are going to be impressive like there's particularly you know the league-wide average true shooting is 57 percent. randall is slightly above that uh and there's a certain number of assists and there's a certain number of rebounds and there's a certain number of points that any team is going to have i mean if you just look for example like you know i think the like 10th leading score in the nba averages 26 a game i mean that would have been like the third leading score in the nba 10 years ago and so it's just yeah everything's out of whack so you got to look at something else other than points rebounds and assists and to me it's how is your team doing when you're on the floor uh because you know it's still it's still a zero-sum league right like you got to win games and then also like do you have somewhat of a track record and as we talked about last week how is this pick going to look at the end of the year and and i think not having bam or butler on there and picking julius randall instead really kind of fails in all those categories sure certainly there i mean there's not i don't think there's one coach in the league who would take randall over either of those other two guys 
Right. Like as as far if you're actually like trying to win a basketball game tomorrow, not to mention yeah. in the playoffs, and you know there's things. Oh, like a lot of people are like, hey, like you're an idiot. They, this isn't how it works. Like this is for who has played the best this season. Like no, that's like first of all, there's no set criteria. Uh, I'm I'm of the believer that you should go closer to rewarding the 24 best actual players in the game with a nod, of course, to how performance has been. Like if you haven't played literally at all this year, then you know, you've reached a point where you're not going to be in consideration. But I wouldn't, particularly with such a weird COVID year, I wouldn't put Butler in that category. And then, uh, oh, by the way, Chris Middleton didn't make it either. Yeah, yeah. That, that surprised me. Um, I didn't think his case was like, like to me, Butler and Adebayo not making it was egregious and Middleton not making it was surprising, right? I, I like, I thought it was on a slightly different level of, of surprise. Yeah, I I would actually flip Butler and Middleton just because I think Middleton is, he's been an all-star the last two years. He's playing even better this year. I think that basically, and this shows you the absurdity of focusing so much on this season, particularly when we have a smaller sample for all-star this season than we normally do. Like, yeah, usually Chris we have Middleton's about 50, on the team. Usually we have almost twenty more games in the bank by the time we're selecting the team, so we we just have a lot yeah. more evidence built up. But like Chris Middleton's on the team, if the Bucks didn't just have a five game losing streak, right? Yeah, the timing of that losing streak, I think, really hurt him. Yeah, but as we know, I mean, coaches coaches would never like put too much focus on what happened recently, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the co- coaching is a profession of recency bias, unquestionably. Um, and, and then Vucevic, to me, I thought he had a little bit better of a case than Randall. The on-off numbers for him are very bad. It, some of the you know RAPM has him like way at the bottom of, of the league, you know, mm-hmm. in, in like the four hundreds. But uh, I, I mean, he at least he's a guy where offensively at least he like gives the magic like some way to be reasonably viable you know i I think that's uh, and but you really would be hard pressed to find like any consistency any rhyme or reason for like okay if you're going to reward record then like how are the magic getting a guy you know i mean so a a marginal guy at that right like it's one it's one thing if like like if the coaches had voted if Beal hadn't been a starter the coaches would have voted him in it's like well okay you're averaging 30 something a game but when Vooch was kind of borderline to be in the top 12 to begin with, and then he slip, slips through the cracks and gets in somehow, that's that's a little that's a little odd. Like I thought, I thought Vooch was defensible from the perspective of you could make an argument he was one of the 12 best players in the East. But to do an end run around the kind of reward for winning crowd just for him, and again to leave Butler and Adebayo off the team when they, despite their struggles still have a better record than Orlando like that was weird um what about Levine's candidacy I think we didn't talk about him that much or we may not have even mentioned him which was an oversight he was on my list we just I think we just got distracted by uh, so it, I my, the three guys that I thought so I had my 12-man team that I wrote about the three guys I thought that had a as good a case as the guys at the back end of, of my roster um were Trey Young Vooch and Zach Levine and Two of them ended up making it, and Simmons and uh, Ben Simmons was my twelfth guy. Didn't make it, and Butler and Adebayo didn't make it, and and Chris Middleton. Yeah, and Levine for a long time. I'm sorry, Ben Simmons not... did make it. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, and uh, we could talk about that too. Uh, I really enjoyed Tobias Harris's father agent releasing the statement about how Tobias Harris should have been on the team, not saying that hey he should have been on the team over <laughs> instead of the guy in his. 
own team. Yeah. 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 At uh, least at least he didn't reference assistant coaches. Oh man, that was that was fantastic. That's an all-timer. Um, so Levine, for a long time, you know, he put up pretty good stats individually last year, and the Bulls were still, you know, one of the worst offenses in the NBA. And this year, they are actually very solid when he's uh, on the floor. Uh, 10.5 points per 100 possessions better when Zach Levine is on the floor. Now, uh, their defense also gets a lot worse. Part of that is because he doesn't play as many minutes with that young. He has gotten better yeah. as a defender, although he also has been overstretched to have to be sometimes even their perimeter stopper and you know I, I would put their defensive struggles a little bit more on Kobe White and some of the front court guys than him but he still is clearly not a positive mm-hmm. on that end but Zach Levine absolutely is driving efficient offense this year his and I thought it was really instructive to see some of these recent games where opponents really had to change their pick and roll coverage to deal with him and that off the dribble three-pointer and then that was setting up Thad Young making plays off the short roll and so this is the first year where really Zach Levine has started to have that gravity and is able to really like put his teammates in better positions to make plays as well and changing what the defense is doing so so I do think that Zach Levine uh that was not one that I had as egregious a problem with as uh Randall or Fuji or, or Simmons for for that matter actually although I know you disagree on that one yeah I mean Randall was the glaring one to me um yeah so I I mean it's you know again when guys are putting up these raw stats there's really it's just hard to make like an, an argument with that and so you, you have to go to some other things and also just default to who's the better player and there's just no coach in their right mind who is going to vote for uh julius randall over any of these guys to actually try and win a basketball game tomorrow yeah. um anything else uh, on uh the snubs or should we uh move on here uh, I think we can move on. So I got some bad news for you. Toilet paper actually doesn't really work that well. Say you got a substance on your arm, one of the more gross substances known to man. You probably wouldn't just take a piece of toilet paper and wipe it off and figure that you're done with it, right? Might want to like get some water involved. And while this has been a problem for a long time, the solution wasn't so easy because it was way too expensive. However, that is no longer the case thanks to the brand new Hello Toilet 3.0 modern bidet attachment it's stylish it's eco-friendly it's easy to install and most importantly it is affordable but you don't have to take my word for it you can try it out risk-free there's a 60-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month warranty if you already have a hello tissue model upgrade to the new 3.0 model it cleans itself with the smart spray automatic self-cleaning nozzle it attaches to your existing toilet requires no electricity or additional plumbing and cuts toilet paper use by 80%. So it pays for itself in just a few months. Go to hellotushy.com slash PR. Easy to remember slash PR. Because John and Bennett, you get 10% off plus free shipping. This is a special offer for our listeners. Go to hellotushy.com slash PR for 10% off. Hellotushy.com slash PR. Don't forget that slash PR to let them know that you came from us. Well, football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. I like it better when football is over, personally. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. In fact, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You got real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. 
head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty good. Bet online, your online sports book experts, and don't forget the promo code locked on to let them know that you came from us. Well, give me uh, your thoughts here on this Minnesota situation with uh, Ryan Saunders being deposed yeah. and Chris Finch being hired mid-season from the Raptors. Yeah, re- really interesting because it's so outside the box and also because the the T-Wolves are getting some flack for it, uh, which I think is probably more direct, better directed at the league as a whole. But let's let's talk about that, too. Um, so the thing that they didn't want to do, I mean, they clearly wanted to replace Saunders and they wanted to replace him with Finch. And, you know, the backdrop to this is that I think they probably want to do this a long time ago. Um, and politically, this was their moment to do it. The thing they did not want to do it was the knee-jerk process that every NBA team does, which is promote the top assistant. And then if the players end up liking him, which most of them do because the assistant coach can be much more the good cop usually than the than the head coach, um, then all of a sudden there's a case where there's a situation where, well, the players are making the case to just keep the top assistant and, oh, should we do that? And, and it just... It kind of screws up what the what the front office wanted to wanted to do. So they decided to take that completely out of the equation and just pluck Chris Finch from Toronto midseason. Um, I think this bothered people because a like this this quote unquote wasn't how things are usually done. Even though there was no real defensible uh, reason for why it was done that way, like the 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 top assistant on a team that's seven twenty four is not entitled to the head coaching job when the, you know, as part of the staff that you have clearly found wanting by replacing the head coach. So I, I, I don't really see that part of it, but there is the case here of, because this is the second time this year, right? This happened with Steve Nash in Brooklyn too, where a team made a permanent hire as the head coach without interviewing anyone. And the argument for minority candidates is that this gives them, a, this makes it much harder for them to get their foot in the door. And is there a case for the NBA to have some kind of Rooney rule, uh, you know, from the NFL that more requires them to at least, uh, you know, interview minority candidates so that even though you you can't stop people from hiring who they want to hire, but maybe that makes an impression for next time. Maybe someone who's in that room gets the GM job at another place and says, I remember that guy that we talked to. Because it's because the thing people I think don't realize, it's very hard for assistant coaches in the league to make an impression on any organization outside the one they currently work for. You just don't know. Like you have no idea who uh, who is good at quote unquote assistant coaching j- just by doing your job in an NBA front office other than word of mouth um, or, you know, really meeting with a guy and getting to know him directly. Yeah, I think a an example of that, uh, Stephen Silas interviewed way back in 2016 for the Rockets head job, didn't get it, they went with Mike D'Antoni, but now he's the Rockets head coach four years later, in part because of the impression that he made that first time around. That, and, that, that and that's a great example, to too, because everyone thought that thing was in the bag for D'Antoni from the get-go, but Houston still interviewed like 17 people. Yeah. Uh, so it, uh, I've talked a lot about this. Like Mark Spears came on, dunked on this summer. Uh, Perry Bacon from 538 had some interesting thoughts on coach hiring in football. And we talked about that uh this summer as well so if you want to hear more of my thoughts and theirs on this topic i encourage you to to go back and listen to those podcasts over the summer there should still be green um but i think that something that was really interesting here is 
as you noted in your piece, this all comes back to Gerson Rosas feeling the pressure himself at this point. Yeah, I think that's definitely true that you feel like you have, you know, once once a front office makes a coaching change, I think th- they the clock starts ticking on them a little bit. And I think certainly the way this season has gone in Minnesota, they feel it more, right? With uh, with the way LaMelo Ball has played in Charlotte versus the Edwards pick, uh, with the way some of their offseason acquisitions have gone. Um, you know, they've had a couple success stories, uh, but I think it's been more negative than positive, certainly. And the year before, even with Jared Culver. So that I, th- I think they really want to make sure they have their guy going into next season and so they they didn't want to create any opportunity any daylight for any (laughs) for anyone else to get in the way of that well and also uh, there's even more sinister is you hire this coach now you get him on a long-term contract and it becomes harder to fire Gerson Rosas next offseason right it's if uh okay we've got the interim guy and he's not on a long-term contract we go into next offseason and the Wolves have continued to be terrible it's a lot easier to get rid of Gerson Rosas when he hasn't just brought in another coach and he's already on a long-term contract it's because then you could just replace the GM and the coach at the same time and Rosas certainly is under deserved pressure i think you're giving glenn taylor too much credit for forward thinking there but (laughs) yeah well uh you know there's team could always get sold you never know Um, so, so I, you know, I don't know that Rosas was thinking in quite that way, but he's also, I think, feeling pressure just for them to be better the rest of this season as well. If only because they're going to give up that pick and they don't want it to be like a super high pick. Now they could, it's top three protected. They could still keep it. But, uh, I mean, that's part of, that's also a massive embarrassment yeah. for a front office, even though, I mean, you should treat it as a sunk cost, but you know, when you've got a reactionary owner like Taylor and you're going to get killed in the media that's a concern yeah um so definitely. so there's although although I, so like I, I my argument is like they should actually probably tank and try to try as hard as they can to get in the top three because it's as you said it's a sunk cost so whether it's whether it's sixth or eighth that they hand over to golden state like that's that doesn't matter it's it's trying to get in the top the top three right yeah yeah so i i completely agree with you but you know the the moral hazard may not uh support that particularly because they just need some optics there's uh, the business concerns you know ethan Kaysen is a big voice there mm-hmm. as well uh you know they have just been hammered uh, but now they're gonna have to try and get season tickets for next year and you know, Again, keeping your would, top three i would argue winning the lottery would be the best way to get season tickets <laughs> well uh i mean wolves fans uh have had uh three number one picks on their team in the last like six years that maybe they're even that may not do it in, in this, market, <laughs> at this point. that's true that's true um but so th- that's a big part of this i think is just the pressure and if gerson rosas uh, the one thing you can say about him positive or negative is when he identifies who he wants that's who he wants and he goes for it. he did that with Jared culver did with russell did that with d'angelo russell and so you know there were more reports that he wasn't as interested in edwards and tried to trade that trip pick but just couldn't do it but and that's what he did with chris finch and, and he has this background with chris finch uh, where they're together in a uh, rio grande valley and the, the rockets organization and then he also actually interviewed him back when uh ryan saunders was on the search committee to hire rosas <laughs> and, and so 
uh, maybe he didn't have <laughs> quite the freedom uh, that he might have liked to, to hire a coach. And again, it goes back, though, and I think this is an interesting point on the minority hiring aspect is Gerson Rosas is desperate right now. And so what do you do when you're desperate? You go to what you're familiar with. You go mm-hmm. to the guy that you know that you have a personal relationship with. And all too often, minority candidates are excluded by that sort of go with what you know thinking. Yes, exactly. And like I said, I mean, the NFL has the Rooney rule and it, I mean, it hasn't done a whole lot, (laughs) you know, for being honest, but... I think that there's the argument that yeah. you got you at least do what you can as a league to keep that door open and be as fair as you can. Yeah, but but that said, if Gerson Rosas was like, yes, Chris Finch is the guy that I want, and I think Chris Finch is actually a perfect hire, by the way. Like this is not casting aspersions on him. Oh, we can talk more about that in a second. But uh, if you're going to hire an assistant off another team like this midseason after firing your coach and there's no other way to do it than the way that they did it like you can't go through some process right like if they had done that they may not have gotten chris finch they waited to the offseason they may not have gotten chris finch he might have signed somewhere else uh so and because he had a lot he was a finalist in indiana this year as well so if he if you decided that yes we want chris finch like this is the only way to do it you can't there's no way to open up that process it would have been hard yeah they probably would have because they would have had to had an interim coach right for for at least a little while they could have maybe done some interviews you know during the break but it would would have been suboptimal to say the least i mean you know when you're hiring somebody on the fly like that that's that's why it usually is the top assistant who just gets promoted yeah because it's just so hard to do anything else right well and the idea too i i like i definitely understand the concerns that they did not interview any minority candidates but the idea that david vanterpool like wasn't given a shot i don't think that that is a fair criticism they're familiar with the guy he's been in the organization and they also interviewed him back in 2018 as well i believe so with with respect to him specifically you know i don't think that he wasn't you know didn't get enough consideration i mean you could say they they considered him and they made the wrong decision and they should have hired him and mm-hmm. like all right that's fine i don't really know whether that would have worked out or not nobody does uh but in terms of like him specifically not getting a fair shake i don't I don't think that's a reasonable criticism. I mean, with respect I, to him alone, the, those arrows to me are much sharper. If we talk about the Nets, yes, yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's true. So, but that said, Chris Finch, I think, and Carl Anthony Towns seems like kind of a match made in heaven. Uh, how so? Well, Chris Finch was the guy who really first unlocked Nikola Jokic in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, he also unlocked. Uh, then he went to New Orleans. And they ran a ton of stuff through Boogie Cousins. I think he had a career high in assists there as well. He was averaging over five assists a game. And Carl Anthony Towns is a good passer. He can dribble. I would like to see much more of things running through Carl Anthony Towns. You know, they run a lot of pick and roll in Minnesota. And now D'Angelo Russell as an off-ball guy, we saw that didn't really work that well in Golden State last year. But to me, I want to see Carl Anthony Towns dribbling the ball up. I want to see him just backing guys down into a post up from the perimeter the way Jokic does I want to see cutters flying off him you know use the athleticism of guys like Culver and Anthony Edwards um now the only again Ricky Rubio is another guy who's like an on ball point guard so you know they don't have the Jamal Murray types to like fly off 
of handoffs and then you know shoot a pull-up jumper and, and you know, so it's the the perimeter personnel isn't as well fixed to that but to me i want carl towns initiating far more than he has so far in his career and ryan saunders was supposed to do that after tibbs didn't really do that good of a job with him and that that didn't happen and so that's what chris finch has been saying is the ball is just going to be in carl anthony towns hands more and that's that's what i really like about the hire yeah and i mean I do think I mean everything I heard about Finch and going going back to the G League, you know, he has a track record in the G League, which I always like that the, the yeah. coaches the coaches who are head coaches in the G League, I feel like you have a much better idea of what you're getting as opposed to some those guys have been really successful. The, the track right? I mean, record I'm, I'm is trying generally to think of, good. It's you know, yeah. it's Dave Yeager, it's Taylor Jenkins, it's um it's Finch. It's Nick Nurse. Yeah, so they've turned out generally to be good hires. I'm sure I'm missing a few guys in here. Um, yeah. So uh, I I I think. Oh, uh, a, Mark Mark Dagnold. Mark Dagnold has been really yes, good. Yes. 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 Uh, so and they just, I mean they just get so many so many reps down there. It's just super helpful. Um, so I I like I like that about his background. So you know if I had like a short list of coaching candidates, like Finch definitely would have been uh, at the very top of of guys who yep. had not yet been head coaches who would who would be possibly likely to make good head coaches yep. he, he's got some international experience as well which I, I think is always good um yeah i mean as i think about it john like i can't think of any guys who were head coaches in the g league uh quinn snyder by the way is another one i think yes in uh with yep. the austin then austin toros yeah. i can't think of guys who are head coaches in the g league who have really flopped I'm sure there's some, but none of them come to mind for me. I'm, I'm drawing a blank as well. I'm sure there's some. Uh, uh, what's what's that form of bias? Availability bias? Uh, is that, is that uh, <laughs> Kevin Pelton could tell us. He is yeah. uh, he he is big on on all these ones. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the Wolves? I, I mean, I guess they still have to figure out how to improve the defense. I don't know that uh, Finch has a lot of chops there, uh, but yeah, I'm uh, interested to see what it looks like. Not a ton of practice time, obviously. Well, that's uh, I mean, a big think, thing. You're not you're not going to yeah. have you're barely going to have any in the second half of the year. The way these schedules are going to be, they come out by the time you hear the show, the schedules will be out. But they they probably aren't going to have a lot of practice time. He's inheriting the same assistant coaching staff, which that's not awkward at all. Um, so yeah, that's going to be an interesting situation for him. Well, and what I think I would do, honestly, is particularly because they're so out of it, is I might actually even prioritize practice time early on more than games, and just you know try to get some good practices in and say, all right, Carl, you know we're just going to play you 20, 25 or 25, 30 minutes in some of these games and you know because we just we need to get up to speed and we'll actually that'll actually pay more dividends than you know particularly in in games they're probably not going to win anyway um yeah so maybe just try and get a couple practices in to install the system and prioritize that instead of winning the next few games um all right anything, anything else on that or should we uh get to our next segment here well I th- I think talking about the Timberwolves could not be a more perfect segue into eliminating a team from the playoffs. Here at the Lockdown Network, rockauto.com is one of our favorite family businesses. They serve auto parts customers online, but they do it with that family touch. The chain store for auto parts, that model doesn't work anymore. They have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. You go in, there aren't any parts out in the front. You go up to that desk. The guy goes into the computer system. They don't have your part. They say they can order it. You have to go back to the store again to get it. Why not just go 
to rockauto.com, enter your make and model, and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The average protein bar is quite terrible. It tastes like one of those layers of sedimentary rock at the top of the Grand Canyon. Built Bar has solved that problem though. They are now up to 18 amazing flavors, six new ones, cherry bar, sia, cookies and cream, caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake. That goes with the 12 original flavors like raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, mint brownie. They taste so good because they're covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew, but they are still great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet. For example, their peanut butter bar, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, just five grams of net carbs. And you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code lockdown, the name of this network. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code lockdown for 20% off at builtbar.com. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, actually, I, I have yet to eliminate the Minnesota Timberwolves what? from the playoffs. I, yeah, no, it's. Uh, they, they might actually be eliminated before you get around to picking them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it is kind of funny. I, I mean, I guess, did, should we talk briefly about, like, did Ryan Saunders deserve to get fired? Uh, I, yes. I, I, I mean, <laughs> is that brief did, enough? <laughs> let, me, let, me put it, let me put it this way. Did he have a case to have his contract extended? <laughs> right? Clearly not. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you're either in or you're out when, you, when you're dealing with your head coach. So it's a cruel business that way. But Yeah, uh, and, and I think, like, Feldman, again, to, to cite him once, more had a a good thought of like don't think of it as why should this guy be fired why does he deserve to get fired it's why should this guy get retained that's really to me is more the question yeah and and i don't think he had an answer to that even though i will acknowledge joking aside the the fact that he never actually had the team together uh that he was supposed to have but you know with with towns and russell just never being there but i think it was pretty clear even with towns out that uh he certainly wasn't getting the most out of d'angelo russell to the extent that that's possible and clearly gerson rosas identified russell as someone he thinks is really good and so when you make all these moves as the gm you know culver hasn't really developed edwards you know it's been I, i did a long segment on him for for dunked on you know the way that he's being used is maybe not optimal though again you know maybe there's there obviously are some issues with the player there as well so uh yeah i i just don't think he had an argument to be retained like you're 7 and 24 and nothing good has really happened under your watch even relative to the talent available yes um okay so eliminating a team from the playoffs here i have ruled out the thunder the pistons and the Cavs. Cavs won last night i'm sure we're going to talk about that in a second um so let's see here i am very glad i did not pick the washington wizards yet the resurgent washington wizards yeah garrison Uh, matthews lost his first game as an nba starter last night i believe (laughs) uh i am gonna go with the wolves it, it seems like uh yeah they're, they're clearly the best remaining candidate i mean the only other one i would have thought of maybe was the magic but uh the magic still have a 20 percent chance to make the playoffs per uh 538 so wow. uh yeah i will go with the wolves wow all right i want to see where you're gonna go here though oh, i'm just gonna pick minnesota every week <laughs> uh so so who have i picked so far again 
You've picked Minnesota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Darn it. That was Darn your, it. That was your first pick. Uh, the Orlando Magic was actually your second pick, interestingly okay. enough. All right. And uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you and I both picked them last week. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I think it's time for me to go with the Thunder here. Uh, 12 and 19, you know, not really particularly good at either end. They're 30th in offense, actually, even with Shea Gilgis-Alexander playing pretty well. Um, Surely they will trade Al Horford and George Hill before the year ends, which will drag them down more. I don't know about Horford. Horford might be a a tough one, but uh, just because he makes so much and he's got so much salary remaining, too. But Hill, definitely, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They will probably call Poku back up from the G League and go back to giving him 20 minutes a game, which will be hilarious, but will not... Uh, improve their win total i I mean the the play if you guys haven't seen it by the way the play where he calls for the ball when he's out of the game on the bench but like standing right where a corner three-point shooter would be and he gets thrown it (laughs) it's amazing raises his arms up i mean he may have just been like prematurely celebrating what he thought was going to be a shot but to like put his arms up but then they throw the ball that was he also to his credit had like a sick touch pass as well but uh yeah the uh just do yourself a favor and look up that clip Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all it's all over Twitter and YouTube and whatever. Um so yeah, I'd say they're a pretty easy call at this point. Uh you wanna do like a brief post mortem on them? Uh yeah, I mean you know, a lot of things have actually gone pretty well for them this year, I think. They've won more games than people expected, actually. Um, what, you got seven players, 22 or younger, um, who are, like, playing real minutes. Uh, you know, I think Lou, Lou Dort has shown a little bit more offensively and, like, as a shooter. He's at 31% from three, and he's he's launching a bunch. So that's that's encouraging, right? Um, yeah. Shea, like we talked about, was borderline all-star candidate. Hamadou Diallo, been one of the most improved players in the league. Uh, Darius Baisley, you know, he's only 20 years old. He's kind of in and out a little bit. I'd like it if he passed a little more often, certainly, but he, you know, he's definitely shown some signs. Tail Maladon is only 19. He's been serviceable, I would I would say. Uh, probably a little overmatched right now, but seems like he could get to the point of being useful. Isaiah Roby, good kind of scrap heap guy. Dallas just left him on their doorstep. They played him as a five, and he's actually been pretty productive so i i think there's i think there's a lot of good things beyond the draft picks that have come out of this season for okc they just gotta you know they just gotta consolidate and it's gonna take a while really underrated player in their recent surge has been uh kenrick williams absolutely as well uh and uh Mike Wiscala, maybe uh, maybe they could get a Vicha Zubac uh, for him. <laughs> the stealth trade candidate, he's on a minimum deal, and he's having probably the best season of his career. So I, th- they could get yeah. a second for him. Yeah, he's going to his, – his three-point shooting was over 40%. He's fallen off a, a little bit of late here. Yeah, and Shea maturing into like a legitimate all-star candidate, shooting 41% from three, and that is like basically all off the bounce too. Like he doesn't exactly have anybody setting him up. I looked yeah. at the stats on that the other day, and basically, it'd be nice if he could hit a shot, uh, you know, under thirty percent from three, like it looked like in the bubble. He might be able to be a little bit better of a shooter, but yeah, I mean, they got to feel good about this, and now they just gotta. Now they've been officially eliminated from the playoffs by both of us. 
uh, they can concentrate on losing some games and making sure they get uh, Cade Cunningham in the draft. Absolutely. Be, be an easy trip so, for him from Stillwater to uh, Oklahoma City. So let's, uh, we each are going to pick two stories here that we feel like aren't being talked about enough. And where I wanted to start with on this is potential extensions for guys who got traded to teams over the summer. You would imagine, particularly given some of the assets that, that were given up, that there is at least an understanding of of what it would take for this player to re-sign. We know that there is a lot of money out there in 2021 free agency and very little in terms of players. And so I think you would think that teams would be scared of that. So uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Drew Holiday, who's going to be extension eligible, I believe, later this week. Do you think that that happens? And what should the offer be if you are the Milwaukee Bucks? I do I do think it happens. Um, and I think the price is going to end up being high because Drew Holiday is going to be the best unrestricted free agent if he opts out. So they're probably going to have to go longer and bigger than they would have wanted you know four years at 30 a pop or something they give him the hayward bag yeah i think when they traded for him obviously they needed to get Giannis to, to sign the extension that was a, a big part of it and you would be crazy though i think to have not at least gotten an idea that he would want to stay in milwaukee but if you're drew holiday right now pretty you're two more months from the end of the season and then you can play some playoffs with this group i mean so you can get some information on whether you want to stay here uh you know maybe they lose in the second round again or something and uh, another team uh, with cap space like what like miami or dallas comes calling um and uh, Drew would be an, an excellent fit in both those places. I mean, that's a, that's part of the beauty of Drew Holiday is that you know every team can use him. He can play the one, he can play the two. He defends a lot of positions. He can shoot. He, he's a very versatile player, even at, at age 31. If I were him, I probably and he's also made plenty of money in his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it, like the maximum extension that they can give him is he's making 25 this year. So basically, bump that up to starting at a little bit over 30 and yeah so i mean i think it would it would be they have to give him more i think than 30 million a year uh over four years i mean he also could get the five-year deal with the box if he waits until the offseason which he can't um but maybe it's just like the the agreement that they had or kind of the wink wink that this is what the outline is going to be and then he gets extended i would be uh what do you think you think it gets done or do you think uh he goes into free agency uh i think it'll be a tell on whether whether they agreed to something ahead of time basically because if if something gets done to me that's something that was done before the trade ever happened right yeah that that you have that conversation about here's what the parameters would be there's no way in hell we're giving up all these draft picks unless you agree right now that you want to be a part of this and usually you can you can more or less trust a good agent to to hold to that so that would be the tell for me uh and obviously if they didn't come to an agreement (laughs) then then you know that that didn't happen yeah, and I think if you're Milwaukee, so let me see here. What is the maximum that they could give him? <laughs> so it's right around four years, $139 million or so. I, I'm just eyeballing that. So don't hold me to that exactly, Cap Dorks. I'm just figuring that out on the fly. But, I mean, I think you probably want to offer him that because at a minimum, you could move him later on that deal, even, even as early as this summer if it doesn't work out and... 
you feel like you have to go in another direction like just locking him up he'll at least be in demand in the early part of that contract for teams that are trying to win now it seems like it's more of a win now ethos around the league mm-hmm. than anyone else and so it's just you know if i get offered that by holiday I, you know for me i'd be more concerned about like do i really want to stay in milwaukee how's this team what are my other options should i consider them um but i mean you have to imagine it's probably just going to happen right uh, otherwise they wouldn't have traded for him. that ha- has to be yeah i i just i've I have a hard time imagining. I mean, we've seen stranger things in this league, but man. Yeah, I mean, this the front office has had their foibles. I mean, it, can you yeah. imagine how Giannis feels if they lose early in the playoffs and then Drew Holiday just leaves for nothing in free agency this offseason? Yeah, that'd be I mean, pretty well. How are you feeling then? There was some speculation that perhaps Giannis, they got Giannis to sign the deal by saying, hey, if you want to get moved later, we'll do it for you. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, this Bucks team, they've lost all these games without Drew. They're going to start looking better now that he's back, I'm sure. Well, John, since we've discussed it for so long, Drew Holiday has got to be the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, that is the case for Michelob Ultra. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Michelob Ultra asks, are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls. And I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. But yeah, that, that'll be fascinating. Dennis Schroeder is a, another player who he actually has been extension eligible for a little bit. That deal got done uh, before the draft, so he's uh, been eligible for a little bit. What are your thoughts uh, on a potential extension for him with the Lakers? That's an interesting one because... Like, has he been that good? Uh, and what's it? What's his market in the off season? Surely it's above the mid level. But like, is somebody really going to fork out twenty million a year for Dennis Schroeder? I have I have my doubts. Yeah. So here are your free agent point guards. You know, Dennis was like, "Yes, I'm a starter. I should be starting this year." Uh, Chris Paul probably opts in, but you got Drew Holiday, Cal Lowry. I would put Spencer Dinwiddie still above Dennis Schroeder, even coming mm-hmm. off the ACL. Although I'm mm-hmm. not sure the the league would agree with me. Uh, Mike Conley. Mike Conley. I was about to say, yeah. Recently, there was a, a Tony Jones had an article sort of implying that he really likes it in Utah and he could go back there. Um, We'll see what ends up happening there. That's then, a big you know, tax I, I, hit if they keep him. Was, yes. Yeah, I mean, and we'll see if maybe they have to move somebody there. Or maybe, uh, I mean, you know, if they win the championship this year, it's a lot easier for Ryan Smith to uh, fork over. Um, and then you got some restricted guys too, Lonzo Ball, Devontae Graham as well. Um, so, you know, I'd put Schroeder maybe like, you know, fifth or sixth on the list uh, of available starting point guards. And uh, I, I think it's really kind of more about just like, well, if he leaves, LA can't replace him. It's the bird rights trap again that, that you were talking yeah. about last summer. Yeah, 
Exactly, exactly. So LA will be incentivized to keep him, um, although there is a bit of a luxury tax issue if they if they pay him too much. So something, I think there's a number right around what he's making that makes sense. I just I just don't see what the incentive is to go beyond that. Yeah, he's making a little over fifteen right now, and but I, I my guess would be that he thinks that he can get more. And I, I mean, for me, I don't know if I would want to commit to that. Yeah, you can't replace him, but he hasn't been that good this year. I think actually that, and it's also you know this is one where maybe it's a little surprising they haven't agreed already since he's been eligible for like a week or so now. But we're gonna find out a lot about how well he fits with this group with AD out and him being the guy he's been out due to the coronavirus protocols. But uh, you know, can he? be a viable second unit creator he's never really been able to do that as the lead guy to drive efficient offense for his team and then obviously in the playoffs too like he's been i think he's been solid defensively against smaller players this year but also could get taken advantage of uh, due to his size and uh you know can he really produce in the playoffs so i i i got a lot of questions about that but the lakers obviously evaluated him much more highly than i did i think to begin with when they traded for him yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting because you also have the argument in LA. Can can they get somebody of similar or maybe slightly lower, but almost similar quality uh, with their Fullman level exception if if they don't keep yeah. him? Because I believe they would have access to the full MLE if they don't resign him. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, I, I think they probably would be able to to do that. Oh, I mean, they've got some other free agents like Harrell uh, as well, Alex Caruso, who who, who could potentially uh, Taylor Horton Tucker as well. Oh, could, could potentially yeah, you're right. Their their su- their summer is more interesting than I implied. Yes, you're, you're um, right. I was I was looking narrowly through the Schroeder lens, but yeah, they got yeah. some. That I mean. So that could be an argument for them actually to not pay him too much because if they if you're setting aside, you know, what do you think Harold's going to get? Like he's had a good year actually. He might get 10 or 15. Um, Caruso certainly is going to be up for a contract. Horton Tucker could get a mid-level offer sheet from another team. So they they got some choices to make. Yeah, and, and you could say, hey, you know, what if they could they just like bring in someone like Derek Rose as a more of a stopgap guy? I mean, I think it really it all just comes down to what level of production you're actually getting from Dennis Schroeder. Like, if you th- think of him as like, yeah, this guy is clearly a bona fide starting point guard, where when LeBron James is off the floor, he can run the offense and will be good that's one thing uh but if he doesn't prove capable of that then it's like why not just go into the bargain bin for like a normal backup point guard exactly um although there's also a thought that he plays well with with lebron which you know maybe but uh he's shooting a little bit better we'll see how that plays out um all right that was was a long one here we got uh probably like 10 minutes left or so what is an underrated story that you wanted to focus on uh can we talk about the playoffs and how would we do that uh the plan for the playoffs I mean, oh, as far as like, will it be? I don't think it, or not? I don't think anyone's talked about the fact that what the league is doing right now and is done all season does not actually work for the playoffs, right? You can't just postpone everything for a week. It's it screws up the whole calendar for the whole league. So you have to do something else, and we have no indication yet of what that something else is. But the playoffs are what two and a half months away. Like if you, if you're going to do a bubble, you kind of need to get on your horse. I mean, that's logistically that takes a lot to pull together, and we just, we just don't know what they're going to do yet. But what we do know is the is the thing that they've done all year, and especially the protocols they put in recently that I think have really cut down the transmission between teams and players where they just shut a team down for a week as soon as there's a positive. You can't do that in the playoffs. So what are they going to do instead? 
Well, there's certainly hope that vaccinations could be widespread enough that uh, you could prevent cases that way. Uh, I, I think there's, they've said that they are not going to jump the line in the sense that all of these places right now, players who don't have underlying conditions and are not essential workers aren't eligible. But you best believe that the moment that, you know, which could be what, like late March, early April, you best believe that the moment that people in their uh, class get eligible, they'll all be vaccinated if they want to be i mean now there's some discussion of like vaccine hesitancy i would imagine that if the choices comes down to hey you guys get vaccinated or we got to go into a bubble vaccination will become a pretty easy easy (laughs) right exactly exactly yeah and that that could be what they plan on on doing we'll see here but yeah vaccinating players in april would obviously be be the best option yeah, so I think that's the most likely scenario and I mean and also like the bubble won't be as loathsome because uh, for players because you know it's not it'll just be for the duration of the playoffs it might even just be one series for half of the the league Mm -hmm. you know it's not like you don't have to get there two months before the playoffs were going to start like you did in uh i guess it was about about one month before the playoffs were going to start yeah back in the summer yeah exactly exactly um I, i mean do you think there's any chance that they'll just do what they've been doing boy even if I, vaccinations are not that widespread i think it would be really you're really playing with fire doing that what, what are you going to do in that situation when you have a positive which inevitably you will i don't know if you inevitably would i, I mean i'm not saying it wouldn't happen but particularly like they, they're doing a much better job now with these new protocols i think players will take it a lot more seriously during the playoffs many have immunity already as well mm-hmm. uh so i mean i guess you would just yeah you'd have to just postpone things um and I, I mean i don't know whether they're gonna have the olympics or not you know that's the whole idea they want to avoid the olympics uh, i mean i certainly hope that they either get everyone vaccinated or go into a bubble because uh you know i don't want my my short one and a half month summer to get <laughs> yes. reduced even further do not postpone anything for the love of god like <laughs> <laughs> Please just give us August and September. Uh, okay, what is uh, what is another undercovered story that you wanted to bring to the fore here? Let's see. Um, I don't know if this is exactly undercover, but should we talk about that the Nets have been freaking awesome? Yeah, and that's even uh, without KD uh, as well. Although the uh, the call on Kawhi Leonard, the offensive foul against the Clippers, was uh, pretty atrocious. Yeah, uh, to, I would... to win them that last game, but they but they were up that whole game. The fact too, is, so they can't... they were up by yeah. two in the final seconds of a road game at Clippers with with short being shorthanded. Yeah, no Jeff Green at the at the end of that game either. So I'm I'm pretty impressed by it and. Where you have to start, obviously, is just the fact that the offensive ratings with any two of those guys on the floor have just been completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. They've uh, they finally figured out they had Bruce Brown on their team. I don't know why they had him on the bench for the first month and kind of unleashed him as this weird six foot four rim runner, <laughs> you know, as their role man. Um, but he actually plays defense, so he helps him on that end. Um, and he could be really good in short rolls because he can dribble and pass and stuff, even if he's not a shooter. So I, th- I think that's a that's a fun little quirk they've they've put in, and that's helped. I j- I just don't like at when you get to the highest levels, this team is just so difficult to guard. When you have James Harden on the ball, but you have Kyrie and Durant as threats off of it, it's just, and Joe Harris for that matter. Wahoo! Wah. Yeah. Just just pick your poison, right? There's there, it's unguardable. 
Yeah, Harris is over 50% from downtown. And they found something with this switching defense where it doesn't need to be perfect with that offense. It just needs to be enough. I think if you can just switch and because uh, all, all you need to do basically is just turn it into a one-on-one game. And yes, like Kyrie and Harden are not amazing one-on-one defenders, but Harden at least has a experience playing it in that system. And Mike D'Antoni has experience uh, coaching that system. And, and uh, Durant did a bunch of switching with the Warriors as well. So they at least are able to play it well enough to just not make up a bunch of mistakes and like, you know, miscommunicate and give up wide open shots. And so if you can force them to play one-on-one for half the possessions, they're switching like 40% of screens, which is like a crazy number. Yeah. Uh, and hey, guess what? Uh, if the other team is playing one-on-one, the Nets have way better one-on-one players than the other team. And so they're just going to beat them. Yeah, yeah. The the test for the Nets, I think, is just if they if they play against a team with real size, if they just get mashed on the glass and mashed inside, Philadelphia would be the most obvious example. Uh, but even Milwaukee, potentially. Yeah, I think like just being able to get guys in foul trouble is probably one of the bigger things that, that you could look at. But D'Antoni, his teams don't really foul that much, right? Like they, they would rather just let you score, not stop the clock with some free throws and come back and hit a three when you just hit hit a two so i i do and with the rest of the east not really looking that amazing um you know i think there's there isn't a great defensive team i don't think in the east that is going to be like uh, even be able to slow them down right like you i mean that's that to me is step one is can you slow these guys down enough to where you can take advantage of their issues on the other milwaukee would be the one team that you think might be able to well the other thing i like too is uh with Kyrie and harden i think they can be pretty bad in transition defense and so milwaukee the way that they run i think that's maybe where you can make up the offensive issues and maybe you can get just enough defensively but i mean the thing is is like these teams that really want to protect the rim they don't even need to get to the rim they just have like amazing shooters that you just can't stop yeah. So yeah, I'm uh, and we'll see who they pick up. Obviously, I think that's that's probably the last subject that I wanted to talk about. Is this is one of the most important trade slash buyout seasons ever, which is kind of a shame because there's not as much uh, available and the price is certainly going to be high. But there's so many teams that are bunched together that just have kind of run of the mill holes. Like not, it's not like oh we're going to trade for a star. It's just Boston. We need some guys who could do something off the bench i think you might have mentioned that once or twice so, yes. or miami with their stretch four issues or uh, the bucks just a little defensive versatility off the bench uh, um there's some teams in the West as well that could just use one more piece or so to, you know, like Denver, for example, to maybe get back into the the conversation among some of those top teams. So, uh, but particularly in the East, I, it seems like, you know, Philly could use another creator, but you know, they don't need someone like super high level. The Nets uh, still can use some more as well, some defensively versatile pieces. So many of these teams just need like a little bit of something. Yeah. Because they have the high end talent. They're just getting and killed by missing a couple of these support pieces. And it's a bad year now for that. And maybe going forward, when you have 10 teams rather than eight chasing for a playoff spot, um, I think that play-in tournament is going to take a lot of these guys who otherwise might have been available and make them unavailable. Like you think about like Thad Young and how good he might be in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. And But that's not going to happen now because the Bulls are going to be in the race all year. 
And they're not going to short circuit that uh, for a second round pick for Thad Young. So that that's that's a perfect example right there. And even like some of these teams too may not be super realistic. And by the time they they come to Jesus on the fact that they're not even going to make the top ten, it may be too late. It may be after the deadline. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of stratification here in the West. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be 11 teams in for 10 spots. You got Rockets, Kings, Thunder, Wolves. I expect will be out of it by the trade deadline. And I I should consider themselves out of it. Yeah, I mean, I expect that too, but I don't know how much the Rockets and Kings expect that right now. You know, and and will they be close enough to tempt themselves to uh to to keep pushing for that 10th position? I mean, certainly, well, in Sacra- may- certainly in Sacramento, you could see that happen, right? Yeah. I guess we'll see what happens when Christian Wood comes back for the Rockets. But, you know, if they have gone on like a 12-game losing streak by the time Wood comes back, they may. Th- those losing streaks that do have a way of kind of forcing you to, uh, to yeah. face reality. But I agree with you on the Bulls. And, you know, could you get a – what do you think you could actually get for Thaddeus Young if they put if they put him on the market? He is playing so well right now. Um, but obviously this – and if it were Gar Foreman and John Paxson still in charge of the Bulls – I would agree with you. I'm not sure that Arturis is really that interested in going after the the ninth or the tenth seed. I, I could be wrong on that. I mean, I think it's more likely than not that they are going to just hold on to these guys because they've been good. But uh, there's like this little thought in the back of my mind that Arturis might go outside the box or not uh, enough to kind of zig and not value the tenth seed that much. Have they made but a single? Have a, they made yeah. a single trade yet? I mean, they. I think the only thing that they did was they drafted Patrick Williams and they re-signed Denzel Valentine. On his, uh, on his qualifying, on his qualifying offer. offer yeah that, that he accepted in world record <laughs> <Yeah>. time <laughs> that that's actually been okay I, that yeah. actually isn't like it doesn't look it's, crazy to have him on yeah. 4.7 million yeah. at this point they also so. signed uh garrett temple with their uh room yeah. exception the, which actually yeah. was great yeah. garrett temple's another uh, temple sataransky young like all these guys could uh could really fetch something uh, you would think um you know cody zeller was another one where i think he could definitely help a team but with the hornets around 500 and him playing well they probably he's kind of a franchise icon at this point so maybe, maybe they'll just bring him back in the summer they um, they also this, i mean uh, they have no yeah. size at all without zeller yeah you buy in this uh wizards resurgence at all yeah like i i think they were better than their record was but you know could they get to like 10th maybe sure like i still don't think they're good but yeah they the wizards by the way had won five straight uh on many of them on the west coast but then they, they lost uh to the clippers on a back-to-back last night but i mean i think the, the reason for optimism there is that russell westbrook is actually looking like he can move again now yeah exactly so that's that's a big thing for them going forward because if, if he's that level of player which i think is the player we thought he was going to be coming into the year then i think they're more like a fringy 10th seed than like one of the worst teams in the east uh, yeah, I, I think they can they can fulfill the expectations I had for them. I think I had them right around 500 this year. I think they can play at that kind of a level the rest of the season. Uh, if, if he's going to get back to being, you know, maybe not 30 a game like he was for the Rockets during his good stretch. But if he could be somewhere in between that and just like one of the worst players in the NBA, I think <laughs> you'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's actually shot 
over 50% the last uh, three games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rui Hachimura's been playing better lately, too. Oh, man. I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to uh, to do a full assessment of that. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm just saying this, he's this played game. a little bit better. <laughs> I'm not getting into any grand proclamations here. All right. Well, I think that will do it for today. Thanks so much uh, for listening. And John and I will return. Will we be back next week? Yeah, that's before the All-Star break. All right. Yeah. yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll talk to you all then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.